It's Sports by the Book. We're here at the South Point studio, and we've got a jam-packed show. We're going to take a look at all the AFC-NFC championship recaps you can handle, a look two weeks ahead to the big game. Lou Finacaro joins us at 3.30 to talk football, hockey, and more. And right off the bat, myself, Matt Nevert, my co-host, Alex White, we've got some guests, the uh, highly esteemed uh, part of the crew that makes the lines here at the South Point. We're joined right off the top of the show by the men, the myth, the legends, Wow. Vinny Maiulo <laughs> and Jimmy Vaccaro. We're getting ready to talk everything that happened last weekend, everything that's going to happen over the next two weeks. And before we get into the specifics, because we got plenty to go over, I mm -hmm. wanted to get your guys' thoughts from a general perspective. Here we are the day after the conference championship games. You've got a full menu, pages and pages long, of bets that you can already make on the Super Bowl coming up in a couple of weeks. Just in general, we'd love to get your guys' thoughts on how the landscape of betting the Super Bowl has changed and how quickly things are available nowadays. Well, Jimmy, you'll, uh, Jimmy, first of all, we, we get called a lot of things. Esteemed is, uh, is, is definitely on the short list. But, so thank you, Matt, for that. <laughs> but Jimmy, you'll remember um, that there was a time, oh my goodness, uh, even if you go back to the, uh, uh, the mid-80s, where maybe there were a dozen ways to bet the Super Bowl. Of course, we remember when the, you could bet the game and, and the total and then at halftime. Uh, you know, in, and then maybe somebody started sprinkling in money lines, but um, you know that that Bears Super Bowl, Super Bowl twenty, uh, with uh, William the Refrigerator uh, Perry scoring that touchdown, really had a light bulb go off and started to uh, uh, really get the attention of not only the betting public but also operators as well, Matt and uh, and Alex. So. Um, it, it just continues to grow every year, and now the Super Bowl, um, just with the end game alone, uh, you, know, you, you look at it and you say, my gosh, because it re was it really so long ago where we only had a few ways to bet the game, and uh, the end game at that time consisted of halftime. <laughs> so Jimmy can, uh, can speak to uh, a lot of those points as well. He was uh, right in the middle of it too. Yeah, tell Taylor to sit down. <laughs> he doesn't need to get up. You're not a you're not a Swifty. <laughs> yeah, I just went about four albums. <laughs> yeah. Probably ran you about as much as these yeah. uh, tickets but that I, we're about to I show. I got confused. I thought it was Little Richard's song. <laughs> Taylor. It's, One thing that that hasn't changed. You can't stand it, can you? You're laughing at I me. I can. Right? I can. I'm I'm a mixed bag. I'm not. Uh, I'm not a hater. I'm not a. A lover, in her words, either. But one thing that hasn't necessarily changed is mm -hmm. the, the scale of some of these Super yes. Bowl bets because people have always unloaded for way more on the Super Bowl, and that has not changed. you got a couple of big tickets right here for us. Well, it's an event also. And first of all, the thing that Vinny uh, went on to is that he's right on the money because obviously there are different things, different times, whatever. The William Perry thing was like the best million dollars we ever paid for advertisement <laughs> because what had happened when mm -hmm. it happened, naturally, all of a sudden, every AP ticket writer from her, uh, whatever, from across the country, start calling people like me and Vinny, say, hey, what we hear, what you hear, what happened with William Perry? And then what it did uh, with not being the one, you know, uh, going to the end zone we thought, but then the one we needed not to go into the end zone ended up to be our biggest winner. That was William Perry. From that particular point, every year what had happened, every APA reader would call and say, hey, Vinny, hey, Jimmy, anything going on, anything going on? So we would have their attention all of a sudden. So it went crazy after that particular time. and. We're going to have a monster, monster, monster two weeks from yesterday. Oh, yeah. And uh, mm -hmm. here's three tickets now that we probably wouldn't have gotten in years past. We'd have waited probably to see what happens in a few days. Yeah, take okay? a look at these. My God. 
Same thing. All right. The person I'm looking at is just a, a lowly lay 105, which you can now, which is unbelievable. We have laying 105 at our sports books here in Nevada at the South Point. He laid a measly $21,000 minus 05 to win $20,000. Naturally, that's $2 cheaper if you let the lay 10. Mm -hmm. I laid $1.10. Okay, that was the first one. Here's the second one. The guy bet $57,000 on the money line, minus $1.14. $57,000 to win $50,000. All right? That's another. We're up to a couple tickets already. And here's a little mama and pop it with straighten your behind up if you were watching the game. 49ers, minus 105, $105,000 to win $100,000. That's all. Now, not saying that, you know, we never got those type of bets previously, but what's happening now with these type mm -hmm. of tickets that are coming in earlier and earlier, which shows you that the weekend is going to be an absolute monster. So what we have given is what the public wants. We put this in our little Twitter, me and, and Vinny. The response we get is incredible because people keep saying, wow, wow, Jimmy, send me some big tickets. We want to see this. Mm -hmm. What they do, they seem to like uh, get their friends on the phone or whatever. Hey, did you see this? They see, see this. Michael Gwan, the owner of the South Point, loves it because let's just call it like it is. Win, lose, or draw. We have people all over the world who's calling and we're saying, welcome to the South Point. See what's going on. So it costs zero. But, you know, he had the nerve to do it to, for the 105. So with me, Vinny, and Chris, uh, look for, I would consider a lot more of these the beginning of next week. So we'll see what happens. But this is incredible early on. A couple of things uh, to Jimmy's uh, really concise and accurate uh, assessment there is that you've got almost $200,000 worth of tickets there. That's not 1% one per <clears throat> of what we're going to handle on this game. You know, so think about that for a couple of weeks. Um, the other part is the 105 to win 100, it's $5,000 off. Now, obviously, he's got to win the ticket, don't get me wrong, but instead of putting up 110 to uh, to win 100, put up 105 to 100. 105 uh, has become a standard here at the South Point during the Super Bowl for straight bets on the on the side, on the game itself, uh, and also during uh, the, the NCAA tournament from – the second weekend in, you know, so, uh, from Sweet 16 in. So uh, people know that, and that accelerates and adds to wagering because people know that, and they're educated enough now, too, compared to years past uh, where they, they are willing to shop for that extra, in this case, five cents. And But as you're betting during the course of this Super Bowl, uh, you're going to to save save money. Uh, and, and this individual... I can tell you right now, he's not done betting. This is not; those are he's 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 still gonna he's gonna he's come back. Getting in ahead of a number move. That and he's gonna be back. Yeah, I did see him. Uh, he was at the counter, and I just said, you know, we, you're invited to come in and talk about. It. He said, no thanks, Jim. He said maybe one of these days we will, but uh, you know, you gotta re gotta respect that. And before we forget, I just wanna because I get questioned about this a lot, and I'm sure yeah. Vinny does also. It's like. Jimmy, is that the biggest event you have? Answer is always the same. The Thursday to Sunday with the NCAA might do it, but that's four days. Yeah. This is just mm -hmm. one event, one day. But the uh, the March Madness too is incredible because it's like uh, nonstop people coming in for the four days. So uh, this little great little sports book we have here, which was built, can you believe it's going on seven years ago, Vincenzo, with yeah. the studio wow. here? This studio, yeah. Mm -hmm. And That's it keeps right. getting bigger and bigger mm -hmm. and bigger, and so and we enjoy it. So anytime anybody out there wants anything answered or whatever, you know, stop by and see me and Vinny and uh, 
and we'll go from there. But uh, I feel really good about this stuff because like a lot of us here, uh, you know, at 78 years old, I made just about all of them. Now, I lost the first one. You know, I was in Youngstown, Ohio, and I bet against Lombardi and had to look around for gas money after that. <laughs> See, one thing you two wouldn't know because, yeah, okay. Well, it was like, how the hell did I do that? I got no gas and no money, but I figured something out. <laughs> you always do, Jimmy. That's what we love about you guys. I, Go ahead, Alex. I do have one question for you yeah. guys. So it did cross my mind. I thought that this might swing, and the Chiefs may be a favorite at some point, maybe mm -hmm. one-point favorite. I know it's pretty much pick them now. But that right there shows me that there's going to be money here on the yeah. Niners as well. Do you think yeah. we won't see that complete speed? You know, that's a, that's a great question, Alex, because if you remember, you know, going into the weekend uh, here at South Point, uh, you know, Chris and, and Chris and I were in on Friday. We were talking about the matchups and the potential matchups. And the, and, uh, the look ahead on that the Chiefs-Niners was three. Niners right. three, if you remember. Now, you locked it in at that if you had bet that particular look-ahead proposition. But I also said, listen, here's what you have to remember. Let's see how the games play out on Sunday, which obviously yesterday, you know, we, we did see that. Um, Chris did open the number last night at two. Mm -hmm. So some Chiefs money at two. Uh, at the one and a half. Now back to one and a half. By the way, that uh, once the, these bets came okay. in, yeah. one uh, back to one yeah, and a half. That so Matt will definitely do it. Yeah, it, it, at well, least well, early. It's still early. Yeah, that's a good point, Matt. So you know, it, but to, to to your point, Alex, would it shock me if 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 there was a swing the other way? I, I don't think so because what you've got here are two very public teams, mm -hmm. uh, not only with their fan bases in their respective cities and states, uh, but also nationally. These are these are very. Uh, much public teams as we refer to them as, and everybody who gets involved with it. And as Jimmy was saying, how, uh, and Matt, you were asking about how big the Super Bowl is, the single most wagered event of the year uh, that we see every year. Now, for sustained action, obviously the NCAA tournament for two and a half weeks yeah, will surpass it. But for a single event, a single game, there's nothing like the Super Bowl. I mean, last year, uh, uh, over $153 million bet in Nevada alone. And obviously with... Uh, now the uh, the the uh, uh, gaming and, and sports wagering available in well over forty states. Uh, that's certainly going to you know uh, be on a national scale. And what we also might see is okay. Obviously, this is a lot of money, no matter how you put mm -hmm. it up there. But come game time, we might need this guy to win the money. I sure. Mean, that's how crazy it is. And every time people say, "Hey, Jimmy, who do you need?" and I try to explain it in a nice way that like when you have an event like this, you could be two hundred thousand higher half hour before games. But when they kick off, you need the other side because what you'll get, mm -hmm. let's call them like the people who understand the racket who bet a lot of money. They're waiting till they see what they can get. If they're not betting it, that means that they know that they can get this sooner or later. They're waiting for something a little better. So there's nothing wrong with it. And with the casinos and the sports book, there's a lot of moving around. So if you have someone yep. obviously moving money for you, uh, so you have to wait till the end if you want something like this. So mm -hmm. it's going to be fun, and I, I, I can't wait. I enjoy it quite a bit. I'm sorry, man. We were just going to say we started putting up prop bets already, you know, because it's such a, a, a lengthy process. Um, you know, first, uh, first, second, third, fourth quarter uh, uh, to, to start, right? And some of the standard, uh, you know, uh, team total props and things like that. So every day gearing up towards next weekend, because we want to grab next weekend as a, as a big weekend too, with, with folks visiting town mm -hmm. that may not be here for the following weekend. And of course the following weekend will be, uh, with, uh, you know, uh, probably over 400,000 of our closest friends, uh, uh, you know, especially with the game here. Um, 
But uh, Super Bowl for next year is up already. The future book is up uh, already here so at the South Point. You guys, so you guys never sleep, do you? No, you, it's it's what, what 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 for? Well, we do this. I'm I'm sleeping right now. You probably can't even tell. Them, so <laughs> I, I just hope sleep. I don't snore in the middle of the uh, in the middle <laughs> we'll of the show. Definitely highlight some of those because there's a, a historical trend that we're going to take a look at as far as okay. look ahead preseason yeah. Super Bowl favorites. Mm-hmm. Last thing for you guys before we let you guys yeah. get back behind the counter, get back to pretending to work here. Um, was there a game yesterday? We'll, we'll end by looking back yesterday mm-hmm. with, with the Chiefs and the Ravens. Lions 49ers was there a game that you guys did better on between the two of those I would say last night uh, last night's game fell actually perfect in in terms you know for the house uh, obviously you know a lot of people uh, did have the uh, the Lions to cover uh, but they also had them on on the uh, on the, the money line as well so when you look at the carryover particularly from the morning game uh, I would say Jimmy that uh, the the Niners game last yeah. night uh, the it result of perfect. it yeah so it was a good it was a good result. And again, uh, these futures you're going to see uh, not so such. One of the questions you, you'll you'll come across or will get asked a lot: Hey, how could this so and so be only this? You know, they're short because again, we're going to see how free agency goes, how the draft goes, and not so much who they draft mm-hmm. as much as who maybe makes some moves around the draft in terms of uh, cluster uh, cluster draft picks or cluster or trades that Somebody involve trades it. up for a Caleb Williams yeah, and one on a I, there you go so yeah, things like that handicap that so, yet so but the in case you're uh, looking at uh, uh, somebody now's the, now you can get started for uh, next year's Super Bowl and one of these things quickly that a lot of people ask and I'll just say it out front we're up to half the money that we take around prop bets yep. you got to remember from prop bets was zero now it's half the stuff that we take mm-hmm. for that—that's that's an incredible wow. number. That is, and so you just go on and you just keep writing tickets for as fast as you can because it is something. And and the other thing, the NFL. There are a lot of props that are like we can't pay until the NFL sends out their official sheet because what you some you know we may see is like 112 yards and then it comes across no we we counted the last two knots 115 116 mm-hmm. so. Everybody out there, kids, every every now and then, if you come to cash your tickets and we're not ready yet, it's not us. The NFL must say you an official sheet. And Vincent yep. will help me with Gotta that. Got to go by the official box score. And remember this, for, for this is the first one to, to make it maybe definitely clarify. When somebody takes a knee, especially a quarterback takes a knee, that comes off as yardage. Please bear that in mind. He had 100 yards. No, he, he really didn't. He, yeah. Yeah, he, 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 he did. But he did take a knee three times in a row, so he lost yardage. yardage. So, well, Vinny Mayulo, Jimmy Vicaro, thanks so much for stopping by. We'll let you guys get back to work, but always love getting your your don't say that word around me. (laughs) (laughs) We know where we know where they're heading. Thanks again, guys. I really appreciate you. Good to be with you both. Uh, There, there they go. Vinny and Jimmy, come down and see him at the South Point, and uh, yeah, come get your prop bets in that half number of the the props in terms of the total action. I knew it was a lot. I don't necessarily know if I knew that it was it was half. Of course, yeah. <laughs> With some of the tickets. I know, they honestly. Out. I didn't know that either. No. I mean, I used to work at a sports book, and we took a lot of bets, or a lot of props, I should say, during the Super Bowl and leading up to the Super Bowl. And Vinny, Vinny's right, though, that the, the money that is put up here at the beginning of this two-week now you know, parade to the Super Bowl, it, it only builds. Right. And that Thursday through Saturday before it, and even right up until kickoff, that's when they take a lot, a lot of the handle. It is crazy, Matt. But I mean, thinking about it, even for myself the last few weeks, I feel like I have been betting more on props than even the games because they are really hard, especially this late in the season. The line is so tight that they do a great job. So beating them behind there, it's almost like you feel like you have a little bit more 
of an edge with some of these props if you do your research and feel good about one of them. So I could I could kind of see why. Well, let's let's dive into recapping the two conference championship games. How yeah. did you make out first and foremost? What bets did you have if you want to share them? And how, how did you make out on the weekend overall? I, I only had three. How many? Did, okay. How many did you make? Well, total? so here's the thing. I think I've told most people on most shows. So I had an exacta. I had the Niners beating the Ravens eighteen to one. I made it Ooh. the day after Halloween. Um, so that one kind of hurt. Mm-hmm. But instead of doubling down because I like the Ravens, we talked about it last week. Um, I actually made a bet on the Chiefs to cover myself there. Um, I also had a really good. Teaser with the Chiefs up, and I brought the Niners down, which you could have done either way. Like, yeah. could have teased the Lions up as well. But yeah. so those two, but I did lay the points with the Niners. You were on the other side. You got me on that one. But yeah, I, so I, overall, I wasn't good. alone. Yeah. There was a lot of folks that laid the seven, seven and a half, even it got up to. And uh, it was on, on Twitter, X, or whatever you want to call it, when. When that game was getting down to the to the nitty gritty, and everyone was so sure on either side, they're like, "We all know how this one ends," yep. and you didn't know what they were talking about necessarily because they were coming from different sides of the uh, of the aisle, but had the same thing. But yeah, real quick, I want to get into this uh, this Chiefs Ravens matchup, seventeen to ten final. Uh, the game closed. Ravens laying four and a half, the total at forty four. My only bets for the weekend, I had under in this one, which was easy money, no no sweat there. I had the Lions plus the seven, which was uh, not easy. The, the exact opposite. They had to wiggle their way in in the back door there and then I took that Gus Edwards over 39 and a half rushing yards prop and you know Gus Edwards aside he finished with with 20 yards so I lost that one as my only loser out of the three uh just a surprising game plan overall from the Ravens the the NFL's number one offense in terms of rushing percentage they ran the ball over half the time in the regular season the highest rate of anybody in the league they had exactly 11 running plays Mm -hmm. six designed runs to running backs and it, it was aided because they got down early. They, right. they gave up that touchdown early, but they went so drastically far away from their game plan. And we'll hear from Lou Finicaro here coming up in about 10 minutes um, with, with his thoughts because he was all over the Ravens in a bad way. He was crushing them on social media. And I just thought that the, the departure from their game plan from so early on in the game doomed them from early on in that first quarter. I completely agree. I mean, they weren't down that much that they needed to panic like that. Of course, there was two big plays that really changed the whole momentum of the game. I think if Flowers wouldn't have fumbled that ball in the end zone, Mm -hmm. that might have switched things around there. But you got to give it up for their defense. I mean, they gave them chance after chance to come back here. But I'm with you. I wish they would have um, not abandoned the run and stuck to that a little bit more. But it did feel like a little bit of a panic, didn't it? Absolutely. And especially against the Chiefs defense that gave up 182 rush yards against Houston the week prior. Right. I mean, this was a team that was getting gashed on the ground and the number one running team in the NFL couldn't get anything going against them. I, I learned a lot about the Chiefs' defense, though. They did very good as well. And uh, the Ravens really struggled in that first quarter, first half. And yeah. then the second half, you saw them start to start to move the ball better. But, as you mentioned, not on the ground and not what we were used to seeing from them. So, ho-hum, what do you know? It's the fourth AFC <laughs> title in the last five years for Kansas City. Uh, Patrick Mahomes with his 14th playoff win. Uh, he's the becomes the third most playoff wins from a quarterback of all time. Joe Montana's got 16, and then way up in a different stratosphere, Tom Brady's got 35, and crunch the numbers. You know, I'm not a math guy. I'm a numbers guy. Crunch the numbers. Patrick Mahomes, to get to that 35 wins that Tom Brady had reached in his playoff career, would have to win more than one playoff game, just almost one and a half playoff games every year for the rest of his career until he's 43 to get that number. Now, if there's anybody in the history of the league that could get there, at least at this point, it is Patrick Mahomes with 
how early a start he had and how much success they've had year in and year out. But it's going to come to the point. We talked about this, I think, two weeks ago. The LeBron-Michael Jordan argument in basketball right. is shaking up to be very similar with Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes. One's got the accomplishments. One's got the stats. And I think with every year that passes, we're getting closer and closer to having that same argument with Mahomes and Brady. There's people that are already ready to anoint Patrick Mahomes as the greatest uh, football player to ever don a helmet. That's about three sizes too big. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's it just shows, and as a Tom Brady guy, I had to slip this in there, just how remarkable it was that Tom Brady was able to not only get to the playoffs That's that many crazy. times, but win that many games. But Well, so he won three this year, right? Yeah. So, I mean... So far. So far. So far. Exactly. So, I mean win three per year that kind of that kind of takes that one and a half down a little bit he Certainly. could do it a little bit sooner but that is wild that's amazing that tom brady was able to do that and i think they are very similar in a sense of the teams that they have led to this spot mm -hmm. we've seen the best and the worst and they still find a way like this one right here clearly the best defense that kansas city has had but oh, yeah. offense you can't make you can't say that and travis kelsey stepped up in a huge way the last two weeks as well for playoffs so yeah it's a dynamic duo it'll be interesting but you are correct that conversation is getting nearer and nearer year by year the uh, patriots are grabbing their collar every year as the uh, <laughs> the chiefs continue to win 17 to 10 final puts the chiefs in the super bowl for the fourth time in the last five years and I was interested to see not only the betting numbers on the late game, Lions 49ers, but also the viewership numbers. I got this number right okay. before we, we took the air. That game had 56 million viewers, which was the most watched telecast in the NFL since last year's Super Bowl. It's also the fourth highest non-Super Bowl broadcast in the history of the Fox network. So people were ready. They, they saw a boring, low-scoring first game that put a team that a lot did not want to get to the Super Bowl in. And they said, all right, we're going we're gonna to tune in and see if the Lions, the uh, team of destiny, as a yeah. lot of people like to call them, uh, can can pull it off against the 49ers. But we talked about it in this game notwithstanding, the Lions are built for long-term success more so than a lot of these other teams like a Houston or some of, the, some of these other teams like a Green Bay that had real flash-in-the-pan type of year. I don't know if I would say I compare it to Green Bay completely because I do think they have a chance to. They're very young as well. Mm -hmm. But the Lions did prove themselves in with Gibbs, Laporta. I mean, Dan Campbell built a very good team right here, and I think they can move forward. But I, I don't disagree with his comments, and I really appreciate how real he was with his team when he said, this might have been our one shot. And then he went on to say, do I believe that? No. Do I? But it, it's being realistic, and if that were me, that would definitely motivate me more than saying, oh, you guys did a great job. We'll be back next year. You know, it was very real, and it was like, it's very hard to win in this league. I don't want to completely break your hearts, but this was a huge opportunity that we let slip away. So if we get it back next year, remember this feeling kind of thing. Well, if know? there's one thing that Dan Campbell is, is going to give you, it's honesty. He's about as real a person as I could imagine mm -hmm. on this earth. He'll tell you exactly how he's feeling. And the, the big storyline in this game were the two fourth down conversions attempted by the Lions in the second half. Both of them in field goal range, neither of them successful. And I don't know where you necessarily stand on this, but... It was really interesting to see kind of the, the back and forth on social media. Some people say the numbers say this. I tend to think more that's who they were and what they did the entirety of the season. And I don't think you can go away from that uh, just because it's the playoff time. And I really liked what Dan Campbell had to say in his, in his press conference after the game where he talked about the decision to go for it on fourth down both times. Take a listen. Yeah, that just felt really good about us converting and uh, getting our momentum and, and not letting them play long ball. Um, you know, they were bleeding the clock out. That's what they do. Um, 
and I wanted to get the upper hand back, um, you know, and it's easy hindsight, and I get it, you know, um, I get that, but I don't regret those decisions, and that's hard, you know, it's hard because, you know, they didn't, we didn't come through, it wasn't able to, to work out, but I just, I don't. I mean, that's about as, as heartbroken as I've ever seen Dan Campbell. And again, he'll tell you like it is. And I, I like that he owned up to it. He said, I know I'm going to get all the flack. I know yeah. it's all going to fall back on me, but I like the chances. And again, it's consistent with what they've done all year. See, after the first one, then you have another opportunity and you can tie it up again after you fall behind. That's when you got to kick it and you got to take any points you can. And I understand what you're saying. I mean, don't go away from who you are and what you've done all year. But this isn't just a regular season game. You know, you don't have another one next Sunday if things don't go right. So you have to kind of adjust and, you know, make decisions based off of that. 49ers. It's, it's tough. It's tough. Big time comeback win, which is something that we haven't been able to say about the 49ers really until the last two weeks. Yeah. 30, 34 to 31 final. 17 point comeback is the biggest in conference championship game history. It's, I, it's pretty impressive. I couldn't believe that nobody had come back from that at all let alone in the second half. Right, because we've seen it in the Super Bowl. Yeah. But that was the biggest in the ch conference championship. So, I, yeah, I was surprised by that as the, well. The 49ers, turns out they can complete a late-game comeback. That was the storyline behind Kyle Shanahan and Brock Purdy all year, was that all their losses, they were trailing heading into the second half and were not able to uh, come back and, and mount the comeback victory. But we've seen it now back-to-back -back weeks against two very strong, two very motivated, and two very NFC North teams in, uh, in, in Green Bay and Detroit. I don't know if there's a single guy who has turned around the personal narrative more than anybody in the league than, than Brock Purdy. I mean, he went from being, this guy stinks, it is a, it's the coach, it's the scheme, it's the players around him. He just finds ways to win. I know, but there's still so much hate around him. And even going into that game, people were still talking about him. And they were like, he's the worst of the four quarterbacks between these four teams. And it's just like, why do we? Why are we even talking about that? He's got them to this point, right? And yeah. then he goes out there and, I mean, he did prove a lot of haters wrong again. Like you said, he just keeps winning. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little unfair how much is. And I don't think he stinks. I mean, he is a game manager. Alex Smith was having some fun on social media. Yes, he was. Uh, saying that he, he is denied access to the game manager club because he's more than that. Um, but, like, it's one of those things. Do we know if Brock Purdy's. I mean, this sounds blasphemous. He's in the Super Bowl. Do we know if he's still any good? And this is, I, I defend Brock Purdy more than, than a lot of other folks because I'm fine with a game manager. And when they say he was the worst of the four quarterbacks, that's because every other quarterback had either won an MVP or been to a Super Bowl. Right. If you count, you know, Jared Goff. And Goff was fine. Jared Goff did not lose this game for the Lions. No, it was not. all in the defense, which, granted, we and everybody else in, the, in our industry yes. have been saying if the Lions lose this game, it's because of their defense. I just think that this game. Some higher power playing a cruel trick on the city of Detroit, but it came down to what everybody thought it was going to come down to. You are 100% right. We've been saying that. They've been outgained. Their defense, we've seen the holes, especially late down the stretch here, but came back to haunt them. I have a question for you. What do you think about Jimmy Garoppolo? Does this not feel all too similar when we just saw these two in 2019? They played the Super Bowl in 2020. And it was Jimmy Garoppolo that was leading this team. And when we got to this point, we still kind of were asking ourselves, how good is Jimmy G? Exactly. I, but I think a lot of the credit needs to go to Kyle Shanahan. Obviously, 100%. obviously does for his schematics and the talent that they've built around him. Uh, remember, this George Kittle 
might as well have not even stepped on the field. He did not make much of an impact in this game at all. I think that they're going to turn him loose in the Super Bowl uh, way too early to give out numbers or anything. But I, I like Kittle over props. We are going to take a look tomorrow on the show at a lot of the opening lines for these Super Bowl props. But that's a very good comparison. And it's, it's a direct, it's apples to apples. I hadn't really thought about that. Yeah, Although it, and they played the Chiefs. <laughs> they have a very similar game, yes. Garoppolo and Pur Purdy do, but I don't think it, as individuals you could have any two different guys. Yeah. Garoppolo is a GQ model, and uh, Brock Purdy has a roommate. <laughs> that, that, that's all you need there. But so here we are after the, the conference championship games. We've got our Super Bowl matchup in two weeks. 49ers opened most places at either two or two and a half. Right. It's now down to one, although Vinny just told us it did go back up to one and a half thanks to the... Uh, a better X with a lot of the uh, a lot of those big tickets there. It's the fifteenth straight Super Bowl, Alex, where the spread has been four points or less. Okay, and that's a huge, huge, huge departure historically. This is a number that I found from nineteen ninety one to two thousand six. The Super Bowl features spread a spread bigger than four points twelve out of those sixteen years. Wow! And it was basically the 07 Super Bowl on is where we kind of saw that start to flip. Okay. And I think that that tells us that the NFL as a whole has developed so much more parity. It's not just these dominant teams running their way through the regular season and the playoffs. We're starting to see that, A, everyone is kind of closer to each other than we think, and, B, it is a lot harder than ever to get to this point. You make great points. And what do you think about yesterday? We had two great games. I mean, they were completely different, and you kind of mentioned it with the viewership, but that first one, defensive battle, even though we had two of the best quarterbacks in that game. Defenses really showed up, and then the late one was such a good game. How many lead changes did we see throughout that game with these two? So, yeah, I mean, I, you're you're right. It's different. I can't believe it's that many in a row under four. It's and pretty it's, incredible. And this one's about a pick. Yeah, it's, it's definitely moving that way, especially if we can get some some more of these, these big tickets coming through. Another note that I found was that this is the fourth Super Bowl ever, where it's a rematch of head coaches with, with the same teams. Okay. In the past, it was Tom Landry and Chuck Knoll. Jimmy Johnson and Marv Levy, and then Tom Coughlin and Bill Belichick in both the Patriots-Giants Super Bowls. Uh, Andy Reid got the better of Kyle Shanahan a couple years ago. In the instances where there's a rematch, the okay. coach that won the first game has swept the second game. Wow. There's never been a head coach that has coached against a team and a head coach that they've previously faced in the Super Bowl that's been able to come back and win. So if you like the Chiefs, that bodes well for you. Wow. Yes, I Incredible. was waiting to see where you were going to go with that. I was not expecting it to be that they swept and Neither won both I, of them. To be honest with you, it's almost like the narrative in college basketball or even in the NFL with divisional games. Like It's hard to beat the same team two to three times in a year. It is hard to beat a team that has beaten you, especially in a stage like this where they've got the game plan and both teams have remarkably similar rosters. Chiefs have a little bit more difference on the defense, but remarkably similar for both of these teams from where they were a couple years ago. It's just, it's it's funny how things can flip around so quickly. Like I had the Niners potentially beating the Ravens in the Super Bowl. The Ravens embarrassed them on Christmas and they get another chance here if it was that matchup. And now we get the Chiefs and the Niners and I don't know what to do, especially because if you give Kansas City, Andy Reid, Patrick McCombs two weeks to prepare for a game, you have to completely change how you're handicapping this game. It's certainly a lot to be said about these two teams, about this matchup, and uh, I'll be really interested to see where this number on the game moves. The total, I don't think that moves a ton, but I think that the spread and the action is going to go back and forth. Uh, we got our guest Lou Finacaro on in about 10 minutes, but before we bring Lou on, we wanted to have some fun with halftime yes. show props. We're talking props. We'll get into props on the game tomorrow on the show, but we're talking halftime props, and 
It's Vegas. It is the entertainment, now the sports and entertainment capital of the world. That's the LBCVA right. has pivoted. We are the sports and entertainment capital of the world here in Las Vegas. Usher, who has a residency at uh, Caesars Palace nearby, and uh, he, he is performing. It's going to be, a, I, I think, visually a, a striking show. Absolutely. And in our prep for, the, for this, I hope you realize that I, I love these halftime shows. <laughs> I love the performances. I love the regalia that comes with it. And I'm a big music guy, so this is a big... Um, kind of betting market in a lot of offshore. Keep in mind, you cannot bet these in Nevada. They, they don't offer entertainment props at all or in the Super Bowl. Uh, but these are, these are all offshore for now. Some states eventually will open them up with some of the bigger markets, but uh, you, you cannot bet these in Nevada. That, that is our disclaimer ahead of time. You never will with the way the gaming commission is, uh, for better or worse. But the first one we're going to take a look at, keep in mind, it's Usher. Think of your favorite Usher songs. First one is, how many songs will be performed in total? Now, this is for the whole show. Total set at eight and a half. I've okay. got a stat for this, as I do for most things. Your initial thoughts on the number of songs, because I certainly had an idea as soon as I saw this number. I would have to go over this because, I mean, Usher has a lot of number one hits. He's had a lot of songs um, throughout his career, so I would, I would lean to the over. And I, I did too. And we, we, we looked it up last year, Rihanna, which was the biggest, most viewed halftime show ever. Keep in mind, it was just her. There were no collaborations, which is... Uh, kind of where we'll go here in a minute. It was all Rihanna. She did 11 songs total, and it was in 13 minutes. They went yes. rapid fire through them. But if you look at the set list, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven parts of. So she got through 11 songs and parts of seven others. That's impressive. So she was flying. So I'm glad that you said, I don't think you know this, I love these halftime shows. Well, you impressed me right away when we were kind of talking about this. And I said, I think I'm the only person that liked the Rihanna halftime show. And you go, what do you mean? I loved it. So they, they let our executive I, I would like it. to know what everybody behind the glass thought, too, because it was very mixed last year with Rihanna's halftime show. I'll ask our director, Ann, because she's got the mic back there. Your, uh, your, your thoughts on the Rihanna Super Bowl halftime show last year? Uh, I'm going to say I don't remember it very well. <laughs> <laughs> There was the, that was the whole thing. It was like it was about her, you know. Oh, is she now revealing that she's pregnant? That that was the big thing too with that. Yeah. Right? Yes. Yeah. So no, uh, not her it, favorite. It didn't stick with me. And I I think that we're we're of the age where Rihanna kind of got really big as we reached our teenage years and and into college. So she was always just kind of playing in the background. And I I I have always liked Rihanna. Yep. And I was very surprised she didn't do any collaborations. So. I'm, yep. I'm interested to see our next one yes. is the total number of songs with collaborations. Now, this is other artists other than Usher on the stage with him. It's over under two and a half. And I think with the fact that there were zero last year, they let Rihanna executive produce the whole thing. And she did all of her own songs because she's got such a ridiculous catalog. I say there's no way that this goes under two and a half. There's going to be three other people performing with him at some point, right? I love it. It's Las Vegas. Why wouldn't you bring as many people in as you could to really do a a big show, especially first time here in Vegas. So I'm with you. I think over two and a half. I think Jerry's shaking his head. Yes, he likes it. Too. Yeah, Jerry's our uh, our music expert in the back, uh, the, the best best musician we got in in, in the uh, stage here. What do you think? Over or under, Jerry? Over. He says yeah. over two and a half. I agree. Well, that leads us right into our next one: is the odds to appear on stage with Usher and, and performing. And yeah, it's a, it's a long list. I had to leave some of them off when I made this graphic, but a couple stood out to me right away. Alicia Keys and Ludacris at Minus Money, deservedly so. They're going to be there. They've done enough songs with Usher. Alicia Keys has executive produced some of his albums. Okay. Um, there's no way they're not there. The one that surprises me, and if you're in one of these offshore markets where you can get this, Lil John at Plus 105, a Las Vegas resident on Usher's biggest song ever, 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you can get Lil John at plus money, and these are the the important handicaps, folks. If you can get Lil John at plus money, there's no way that he doesn't perform with him, right? I don't hate that at all. But what about Will I Am? Because we were looking up. I said Usher's done a halftime, but I believe it was Black Eyed Peas, mm -hmm. and Usher was on their halftime performance. So why not bring him in as well? Just return the favor, right? That's right. Well, Will I Am is plus two ten, okay. and if they don't do OMG, we riot. I love that song. Um, <laughs> we riot with the whole studio. <laughs> last last one that we'll look at, and then we'll take a break and bring in our good friend Lou Finacaro, is the first song to be performed. First song that Usher performs. And it's interesting to me, the order and how it's changed. They're, believe it or not, there are number moves okay. on the offshore <laughs> markets uh, for this first song prop. Right now, Love in the Club and OMG are three to one. I'm going to put my money, if I could, on OMG. I think that the beginning of that song is, is great. Yeah, at five to one. That one will be performed early on. It opened as a plus 225 favorite in this offshore market that I found and then moved to five to one. That's crazy. So that means more money's coming in. I'm going to be honest with you. I've never picked the right first song. So I really, I don't even know where to go with this. Because I'm, I'm looking at Burn, but that might just be a, what I want them you to play first. think of the first like 10 seconds of the song and right? how you come out to it. My, my dark tough. horse pick in this one, yeah. DJ Got Us Fallen In Love. Yeah, that is a good one. Get that at five to one. It's got a great uh, high energy intro and... Uh, yeah, just a couple of look at some early it's, Super Bowl halftime props. I love and, this stuff, too. And again, you will not be able to find these at all in Nevada. It is all offshore markets for now, but I thought that would be a fun way to kind of transition into the uh, Super Bowl preview. So what about, like, the coin toss and any of those kind of props? Do you like those as well? I do. Coin toss is one that you can bet in Nevada. Yes, it, you can. It's, it's basically anything that can or cannot be influenced by a producer. That was the way that I was taught to think about it. Like Taylor Swift, how many times are they going to show Taylor Swift? Right. Can't bet that in Nevada because it is influenced by a producer and someone's personal choice. Point toss is close to 50-50 as it gets in the world. Yes, it is. So yes. I, I do like some of those. I don't normally play a ton of them. Yeah. Um, and then the all the pregame fun ones, all the uh, Gatorade, all the whatever. Those are, those are fun, but more so in like a social setting. Right. You know, pick them pool or whatever with a group of friends. But uh, yeah, Super Bowl 58, believe it. I can't. And it's here and in it's Las Vegas. Right and down the road. We'll get to do a lot of things covering it and bring it to everybody who watches our show. South Point's going to have some great coverage. Stay tuned to our social medias where we will announce that over the next coming days. So that's our look at the NFC and AFC Championship Games. An early look at the Super Bowl right down the road at Allegiant Stadium about, uh, what, 10 minutes down the road from us? Yep, I Pretty think. Pretty close. Frank we'll said six miles. Six miles, that's all. We, we could walk that. We, we, we got to get started. <laughs> We'll take a break. When we come back, our good friend Lou Finacaro joins to give his thoughts on the conference championship games and the big game. And we'll take a look at an NHL betting model as we get towards the end of the regular season. Don't go anywhere. Back in 120 seconds on Sports by the Book. South Point offers all the types of entertainment you'd expect at a first-class Las Vegas resort. Did you know our 400-seat showroom is one of Las Vegas' top destinations for live entertainment? Enjoy live performances by classic Vegas entertainers, bands, and today's hottest comedians, plus a rock and dance floor. You can also enjoy live entertainment at the Grand View Lounge, where you'll feel all the vibes of old Las Vegas. Enjoy the music, and if you love to laugh, don't miss The Dirty at 1230, our very own free comedy show, every Friday night at 1230 a.m. in the Grand View Lounge. The Dirty is 100% free, so arrive early. Go to southpointcasino.com or call the box office at 77136 for today's performances at the showroom and the Grandview Lounge. When you're ready for your favorite cocktail, 
Stop in and unwind at one of our seven specialty lounges. There's a bar around every corner, because you're in Vegas, baby. South Point Casino has plenty of attractions for the whole family. Catch a movie. Our 16-screen movie theater includes two XD extreme screens for the ultimate in viewing, sound, and luxury. After the show, treat the family to a variety of treats at our old-fashioned ice cream parlor, Kate's Corner. We scoop up a variety of creamy concoctions, including smoothies, hand-dipped cones, milkshakes, malts, sodas, and sundaes. At Kate's, there's something for everyone. And if you've still got time to spare, our bowling center might be right up your alley. Voted Best of Las Vegas, it's a great place for friends and family fun. 64 lanes, a pro shop, snack bar, and arcade. And while the kids are bowling, you can play slots and sip on a drink in the Alley Cat Lounge while overlooking the lanes. For our more serious and professional bowlers, the South Point is also home to a separate tournament bowling plaza. We're back here on Sports by the Book. She's Alex White. I'm Matt Neverett. We got a full crew behind the glass today, too, Alex. We got Caden, Jerry, Anne, and the Drew Dog. <laughs> we got a full crew back there, and uh, we, we appreciate their work trying to make us look and sound good. And joining us now, great friend of mine and a great handicapper of multiple different sports, it's Lou Finacaro at Gamblue on Twitter, gamblue.com. Lou, great to see you again, my friend. And Thanks so much for joining us here at South Point Studios. Matt and Alex, I'm tickled to be here with you, share a few insights uh, on what was and maybe what will be. So uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, a little give and take this afternoon. Yeah. And speaking of what was, I want to get started because if people go and check out your, your Twitter profile at Gamblue, you had some really strong thoughts. You had no holds barred against the Ravens yesterday. You said that Chiefs' first half, which was a bet that you had at plus three and a half, was like stealing money. That was, that was the word that, or the phrasing that you had used. That was one that you had locked in early in the week. You were all over it. I'm with you, Lou, on the Ravens from a play-calling perspective. What were your thoughts on that game? Well, I, I do want to disclose that the, three and a, the Chiefs plus three and a half, I, I said it was like stealing after the gamble was <laughs> was made yeah. and, and won. Um, I'll be honest with you. I was tempted to try the middle with the Raven money line and the Chiefs plus three and a half. At the time, it was just three. When I saw the three and a half, everything fell by the wayside, and I just stuck with the one side. Mahomes with the three and a half. I've been skeptical about Lamar only because in past opportunities, he has just not been able to rise to the occasion. And yesterday, I'm not going to hang it all on him. I, I really believe Coach Munkin uh, got his fingers caught in the, in the uh, meat grinder a little bit by trying to do and create an offense that is not to the personality of the Ravens. We saw the Ravens go into San Francisco some weeks ago and use Gus Edwards and a couple other running backs and pound the ball and really create a, a great, great mystique for the Ravens. But yet, when they get to Kansas City, a team with a 27th ranked DVOA rush defense, 
they threw it all out the window and tried to create a pocket passer out of a guy in Lamar that I don't think is totally comfortable in that realm. Then the bully got a little tight and we started to see him crack a little bit in the form of those uh, 15 yard penalties. They were uh, the Ravens penalized eight for 95 yards against the Chiefs, three for 30. Composure and leadership means so much at this stage of the NFL. And I just think the difference in the game was Kansas City's leadership and composure. I agree with you 100%. So where does that lead us now? Was that more on the Ravens and their lack of composure and preparation for this Chiefs team? Or is it the Chiefs? Have the Chiefs turned a new leaf? And can we believe in them going to the Super Bowl and winning this? Well, that's a great question. And the way that I'm going to try and address that, Alex, is that it depends on San Francisco. I don't believe Shanahan's going to change who he is. And I think we're going to see a heavy dose of Christian McCaffrey, maybe even Eli Mitchell and Debo Samuel. They will absolutely address and attack that rush defense. And it'll be up to Kansas City to prove that their defense is what we just saw as well if San Francisco can get the lead and maybe put a little pressure on Kansas City then we might see that Kansas City offense of week 13 14 etc creep back into our TV sets yeah and the the or excuse me the Chiefs never really were pressured once they took the lead they were in control even though the, the final score was within a touchdown, they were in control the whole time. Their drives in the second half, by the way, I didn't realize this until after the game, five punts and the end of the game. Yeah. They didn't need to do anything no. in the second half, and the Ravens wilted like a flower. And I, I think that, to, to your question that you asked Lou earlier, I think that that says a, a lot more about the Ravens and, like you had said, Lou, about their, their play calling. They had 11 designed runs in the game, six of them to running backs. And I know Lamar Jackson's the best running quarterback in the NFL, but you said it, Lou. They tried to make him a pocket passer, and it came back to bite them. But I think there's a lot that needs to be said as well about the consistency and what we've seen Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes develop. To your point, from a leadership perspective, they, they're the closest thing to a dynasty at the Patriots level that, that we've seen. And they're back in the Super Bowl after their fourth AFC title game win in the last five years. Lou, want to get your thoughts on the late game as well. We, we had Vinny and Jimmy on early. They talked about how the handle on the late game was more than the early game. There were more people that watched it on TV, and it ended up being a better, more fun game to watch. The Lions covered every number. The total went way over. Uh, what were your thoughts on that one? Because you weren't as uh, aggressive on, on social media with, with either team in this game. In that first game, Matt, I had I stood to gain way more with a Raven win than the Chief win, though I had futures on each side. In the second game, I was all San Francisco, and I was vocal that San Francisco was going to be able to handle Detroit. And I couldn't have been more incorrect. Uh, these games are very, very interesting. We saw Detroit give Kansas City their first loss of the season early in the year. And so it's all about matchups. And I really got that one incorrect. I got lucky with the fact that San Francisco was able to right the ship at halftime and come back. I can't hold anything against Coach Campbell for being exactly who he was all year long. But I think that when it comes to analytics, 
there isn't a blanket that we can throw over a situation and call it, this is what you do. It comes down to this situation on this week at this particular time and at this juncture of the game. And in this particular case, there were a couple of, I don't wanna say mistakes, but I think that Coach Campbell, savvy as he is all season long, made a couple of errors. Number one, not taking a late field goal. Number two, with the timeout. I know it's way too early to ask for picks just yet, but I mean, you broke down a lot there for us. Looking at the Niners now, this is two weeks in a row that we've seen them come out kind of flat and get shut down in the first half. So we have two weeks to prepare, and you brought up a lot of respect for Shanahan, and I think we all have respect for him as well. But so what do the Niners have to do to win this game? And I, again, it's way too early to get your picks. We'll have you on again to talk side and total in this game. But any thoughts already for the Super Bowl looking at the Niners side? Yes, Alex. I My thoughts are this. Respect the bookmaker. Why did they come out with two and a half and then the hordes immediately take it down to one? So I tend to respect my bookmaker. I tend to lean to San Francisco in this game because I don't believe they're going to throw out their identity. And I believe we're going to see them attack the underbelly, the soft side of the chief team, which is rush defense. And for that uh, matter right now, I think that there, it's a bargain on San Francisco at a pick or minus one, one and a half. Still plenty more to come as we preview Super Bowl 58 and we'll have plenty of coverage here at South Point Studios. Stay tuned to our social media and we'll tell you all the fun, exciting stuff that we're going to do. He's Lou Finicaro joining us here to not only talk Super Bowl, but some hockey as well. We're getting into the second half, almost the NHL All-Star break here. They, they're All-Star games a little bit later, um, but wanted to get your thoughts. I, I understand that you know, you look at the regular season for NHL from a betting perspective, but you're not big in terms of betting day-to-day -day sides, totals, puck lines. You use it as a data modeling source for the playoffs. And I understand the reason is because the game changes so drastically from the regular season to the hockey playoffs, which in my opinion is the best of all the four major sports in terms of the intensity in the playoffs. So my question for you right off the bat, twofold, Lou, A, how do you take a look at the regular season when you come to the playoffs? And B, what makes playoffs hockey so much different in the NHL? Well, those are two great questions. And the first uh, A will be that after 82 games of data, I, I think for anyone that's really paying attention, it, it, it's hard to make mistakes. It's hard to show something that one is not after 82 games of data. And so for that reason, I like to compile the regular season for data only. That's not to say that in these last couple months after the All-Star break, I'll lay out a position here and there. Uh, I think I have one for Tuesday the 6th when Edmonton comes to their arch rival Las Vegas, as a matter of fact. So uh, to answer A, I'd love to use the data to create my model and my model then becomes the answer to B, and that is the, the season that is the Stanley Cup playoff season, that six to nine weeks, is so drastically different than its regular season that I regard these two seasons as completely different sports. And a case in point will be a team like Boston. And here's a team in Boston that has a great 
defensive-minded team. But when you look at the standings, you see that they've lost nine overtime games. Well, overtime is three on three. Let's tap each other on the rear end and play a, a bunch of wide open space offensive hockey. And that is not what the playoffs are. There's no room on the ice in playoff hockey. There's no three on three unless you have some form of melee that doesn't happen anymore. And consequently, the the fact that we play until they finish in playoff hockey makes that season completely different. And I get the fact that if Florida is playing Ottawa and in two nights, Ottawa has to go to Boston and the next night, Florida has to go to LA, they can't play triple overtime. I totally get that. But the game changes from an offensive game in the regular season to a game that's played from the goal out in the postseason. And that's exactly how I handicap it. I look at a team like the LA Kings. They're, they're a team a little bit struggling with goaltenders, but they play great defensive hockey and they've lost 10 <laughs> overtime games. Does that mean they're no good for the playoff season? No, they're designed perfectly for it, but they're not designed to play three-on-three -three hockey with the Edmontons and the Torontos and the Floridas. That is great info. Okay, so when you say model, is this like a power rating? Are you updating the teams every night after the games? No, I do not. I do not watch it that closely because NHL.com can do all of that for me. What I do, Alex, is once the seat, the regular season and those 82 games are over, I then compile my, I'll call it a model, but an old saddle like me, it, it's really an Excel file that tracks the important components that I want to track. Shots against, face-offs won goaltender goal uh, goal against and and save percentage these are the things that have been available to me for 20 30 40 years i've used them effectively and i don't want to change now in lieu of the fact that there are all kinds of new terms and new ways to look at hockey it's still the exact same game that i grew up watching when bobby orr and the bruins were facing the mahavalich boys against in uh Montreal just less less guys going full full airborne vertical or horizontally in the air than than the Bobby Orr days right well they did it then he kind of changed thing he was the prototypical new defenseman that now we see all over the NHL would love to get your thoughts on some of these uh, futures as well how much does your uh, original thoughts on the NHL playoff uh, kind of go along with how this futures market is right now in the NHL Yes, I, I, I was looking at that to prepare for the show. Plus, this is the time of year where the NFL gets put aside. And besides the UFC, I focus completely on the NHL. And there's a couple of things that I would look for at this point in time for a future candidate. I, I need coaching. I really need a team that's been there, meaning in the playoffs last year. I don't need it, but I strive for that. So a team like Vancouver, effective as they've been this year, may not be a team that I end up relying on. Rather, I'm looking at a team like Florida. I'm looking at a team like Boston. Unimaginative, but those are both 10 to 1 teams. On the Western side in the Campbell, it's right under the no my nose, I think. 
I look for the Vegas Golden Knights. This is a team has a couple of really strong goaltenders. Hills playing great. They got Marchezo, last year's MVP. They're def the defending champion. They got a great coach. And I think that we'll see them at the other side of this all-star break get a chance at a playoff-type game when Edmonton comes to town. That will be as close to a playoff-style atmosphere as we can get in the regular season. I'm sure that will be maybe a pick -em. Perhaps Vegas comes a little bit of a favorite, but make no mistake about it. The Golden Knights are in no hurry to let Edmonton come and break a record on their ice. So you're leaning towards the Knights in that one, Lou? Oh, I'm dying. I'm salivating to wait to see what the line is because I'm going to bet them. And if Edmonton does happen to get by those Golden Knights, I'll come right back with Phoenix the following game because then the emotion from Edmonton yeah. will be what a relief and maybe I catch him as a big dog with Phoenix. I've been following hockey for the last few years and I make my own numbers. I think you might be getting a little plus money with with the Knights next week because of this this streak that Edmonton has been on and this win streak and they've just their power rating has gone up quite a bit there but I love all the information you gave um, I'm very excited because the last few years I've found myself do phenomenal in round one of hockey and then just feel like I kind of lose it as it goes on so I'm going to use some of your tips and make sure to uh, incorporate that this year for the Stanley Cup playoffs. I'll share everything that I can. I, I miss as many as I win. However, when you're betting dogs, 50% can actually return a, a very, very sound ROI. That's why you're one of the best. He is Lou Finicaro at Gamblue on Twitter, gamblue.com. First time joining us here on this show. Lou, you were amazing as always, and I can't wait to have you back on soon. Thanks so much for having me. Keep up with the great work. You guys are both brilliant young handicappers. Keep up the great work. I appreciate Thank it, Lou. Thank you so much, Lou. That's, just, that's just his opinion. <laughs> <laughs> no. Lou Finacaro, one of the best, and was wanting to get his thoughts on some UFC, but there really isn't a big card coming up until UFC 300. So we'll certainly have him on to handicap some MMA. That is where he makes his hay. He is great at, at UFC MMA, but UFC specifically. And uh, he's, he's one of my oldest uh, sports betting media folks that I've that I've been in contact with. We forgot with. about waste management too. So he this is good. He said that he likes dogs. He looks for them in the playoffs for hockey. UFC is a great sport where you can uh, mm -hmm. get some plus money and he kills it. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm excited to start having yeah, him next, on as a guest. Next time we have next time we have Lou on, it's got to be before February 8th because the waste management open is in Phoenix where he's from. Want to get his thoughts not only on the the handicap for that but just his thoughts on the event as a whole. That's the, the number one golf tournament outside of the Masters that I would absolutely love to go to. I think I'm going to make it not this year, but uh, potentially next year. I think it's on everybody's bucket list. If it's not, it should be for sure. Just a couple minutes left in the show. We're going to close things out with a quick look at a very light slate in college basketball tonight. Alex and I uh, each have at least one play, which is uh, kind of surprising considering <laughs> how, how uh, paltry the market is. The one game that we don't have a play on, 881-882 on the, on the betting sheets, Number 12, Duke Lang, three at Virginia Tech. That game coming up in just over a minute. Uh, Duke Lang, the three. I would take it, but Duke's just been so inconsistent, and especially on the road uh, in the ACC, which is down as a whole, but weirdly competitive as a conference right. this year. Uh, that's a total stay away for me. Uh, the one that you and I both have, yep. uh, it's an official play for me. Are you in on this one? I'm in. We're in. Okay, squad ride. We're going with the Houston Cougars, baby. 
Ken Palm's number one rated team. They're number four in the polls. They're laying five at Texas. That's a rivalry game that starts at six here on the West Coast on ESPN. I love Houston. They're 18-2. and two. Both of those losses in the Big 12, but got to remember the strength of the Big 12 overall. My big thing for this one is the defense of Houston, and that has been the key mm-hmm. all year. Number one overall in Ken Palm, number one in adjusted defense. Texas, number 73 in adjusted defense, and uh, number 36 overall. And uh, for those of you that use Haslametrics, he's got it projected as a 10-point Houston win. So uh, that notwithstanding, I-, I like the Cougars and Kelvin Sampson's team tonight. It's scary when you have to lay points and they're on the road in college basketball because we know how much uh, that home court does mean. But I like Houston here as well. I I have Texas as like the ninth best team in the Big 12. So out of 14, it's not great. Houston, of course, number one. I think they're about 10 points better than Texas. Texas 14 and six on the year, three and four in the Big 12. So it, it's a buzzsaw yeah. this year in the Big 12 as it has been recently. And uh, Texas has been uh, getting the worst of that so far. And we each have one obscure play in the uh, the write-in games. You and I each have one. I'll, I'll allow you to go first. Ladies okay, first. so I am on the under here in NC Central and Delaware State. Under 135. Both of these teams are very good defensively, not so great offensively. I say very good. They're about 201 adjusted defense. That is central there. But they are second best defense in their conference. And then Delaware State is the best defense in that conference. Both teams are 4-0 to the under in their last four games, which were conference games. So I like these two. Good defensive battle. 135 is too high. Numbers uh, bode well. And you said both of those teams have gone under in each of their last four? Yes, they have. So as of late, that has been the trend as well. And then uh, my obscure play, Morgan State at Norfolk State. Uh, I'm going to lay 12 and a half with the Spartans at home. Uh, Norfolk State, uh, that game actually opened at 12 and a half. It's now closer to 13 and a half. I got this one last night okay. when the, uh, the opening numbers came out. So if you can get anywhere near 13, I, I still like it. Morgan State, number 346 out of 362 in Ken Palm. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Norfolk State really dominant, especially against this Morgan State team. Uh, Norfolk State thirteen and eight. They're three and one in the MEAC. Uh, has the metrics has this one as a sixteen point okay. Norfolk State win. So I, I like this one uh, up to fourteen. But if you can get it anywhere close to thirteen, I got twelve and a half last night. We'll take it with the Spartans. We're going MEAC. Those those write in numbers, yeah. by the way. 306-637-306-638. Not uh, normally how far down the board we go, but it's right. like a small slate tonight. That'll do it for us here on uh, Sports by the Book. Got to get in those obs- obscure plays at the end, there right? Was, there's a lot of NBA games we didn't get to today, but we'll have a we'll have a lot of NBA talk tomorrow. We'll have Steve Jones on, who is a former UNLV basketball player. Just yeah. did a podcast with J.J. Redick. Go and check that one out. He'll join us tomorrow. We'll also talk NBA All-Star Game starters. Yes. I think it is important. Uh, there's a lot of bettable markets, and they're going back to the East-West format, which is fine by me. I didn't like the draft. I think the East-West format is way better. So we'll get to that tomorrow. A jam-packed show today. Glad we got yes. everything in there. Thanks to Vinny Maiulo. Thanks to Jimmy Vaccaro. Thanks to Lou Finacaro. And for Alex White, I'm Matt Neverett. Big thanks to everybody behind the glass. That'll do it for Sports by the Book. Back at it tomorrow, 3 o'clock here on the West Coast. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe to South Point Studios on YouTube as well. And until then, we bid you adieu.